like to go with me, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Um, and I'm on, a, I'm on like this Corinthian kick right now. I've been uh, studying Corinthians again, and God's been showing me some things in Corinthians, and I've been doing some other things, and so, boy, there's some good juicy stuff in Corinthians. Um, and there's two books there for you, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, and it's some really good stuff. But we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And verse number 16, again, a lot of you probably have heard this before, but I want to read it again for context's sake. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 says, Therefore we do not lose heart. That's great, right? We don't lose heart. There's a reason why we don't lose heart. You can just say that, but there's a condition to why you would... A lot of times the Bible gives the, gives the declared statement and follows up with the condition you have to follow. We just said it earlier. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Therefore, we do not lose heart. That's a statement. That's a statement of faith. That's, a state, that's an absolute statement of faith and a statement of, uh, of, of, uh, uh, of, of complete absolute. We don't lose heart. But there's a condition to why we can make that. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, again, it seems like Paul's making sort of you know, I've never really been through this, I'm not light affliction, but if you later on will actually read some of this stuff that he's referring to as light affliction, it wasn't nothing light about it, but it's all perspective for Paul. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal way to glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I'm a, uh, I'm a studier of history. I'm a studier. I like, I, I, I'm kind of like an adventure type. Uh, I love this to read about adventures, people that have, you know, sought for, uh, you know, the lost, uh, lost treasures or lost cities. That's just, I would love, that was just something maybe in a, another life that would something I would enjoy to have done to kind of be that adventurer, go out and find lost things. And, um, it wasn't actually too long ago that if you read, there was a, a man who buried a treasure, um, out in the Midwest, uh, out in the West, uh, in the Rocky mountains. And he put some clues together and, um, had people go out and search for this treasure. And man, people have been searching for that thing for a while now. Actually, several people died trying to search for that treasure. But recently, lo and behold, someone actually found it. And uh, it was worth over a million dollars, I believe. And uh, recently, I read that in Michigan, a jeweler who was retiring is going to be burying a $1 million prize somewhere and it's going to release clues and have people go out and search for it. And I think that's fascinating. I probably wouldn't be the one to find it, but it would be fun to try. But I've been fascinated by some of the stories of history, some of the myths of history, right? Ponce de Leon searching for the fountain of youth and the El Dorado, the city of gold, the lost city of gold that people have gone through the, the jungles, the deep, deep jungles of South America trying to find the lost city of gold. People have died trying to find these things, to, 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 to search for this because they believed it was something that was there, that was tangible, that they could find. The city of gold is real. They could find it. And so they've risked everything 
to find these um, lost items, these lost cities, whatever it might be, and in some cases to no avail. And I believe today that we're searching for something that we will never find. Even if we find it, we haven't really found it. And I want to talk to you about that search today, and that is searching for normal. I want to talk to you today about searching for normal. We are, again, it goes without saying, I don't have to say it, you probably hear it, you're probably tired of saying it, uh, because I'm tired of hearing it. We're searching for norm. We're searching for that normally. We just wish things. We heard that. I would just wish things could get back to normal, whatever normal is. And during this period of time where things have been so crazy and so uh, just bizarre in so many ways, here we are again, another Sunday. So again, I, I have to pinch myself sometimes because I'm sitting here. It's a sunny morning. I'm sitting here in my in my basement, although I call it now Antioch West Studio. It's my basement, but I think Antioch West Studio sounds better. Welcome to the Antioch West Studio. No, it's, it's just my basement. Um, but here I am on a Sunday morning. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a, a month and a half away from being 40 years old. I've been literally, and I'm, that's just not an exaggeration, I've been literally going to church my entire life. My, my earliest memories as a child are in church. I've been going to church. My my parents, if you don't know who I know anything about me, my parents were pastors, or are still pastors. Um, and um, I was born and raised as a pastor's kid, so I was going to church from the very time I was born. Uh, one of the first places my mom took me after I was born was to church. That's what I've been doing. I've been doing this for a long time, man. I mean, I'm not talking about, I don't go to church once. I mean, I'm talking about twice on Sunday and most of the time once in the middle of the week. And then half the time, if you're part of the church we all grew up in, it was, there was a lot of times we had multiple things going on in the middle of the week. We, it was, I was going to church all the time. And here I am sitting on a Sunday morning again for like the fourth month in a row, sitting here talking to a camera, camera, Mr. Cannon. Sometimes I, I I get lonely down here, and I just pretend that Cannon is a real person. Hey, hey, Joe Cannon, is it Bill Cannon, uh, Mr. Cannon? I mean, literally, I'm staring at this camera again another week, hoping and believing someone's out there watching today. I have no idea. My screen, the way my screen setup is, I have the the software that runs all the equipment, so it doesn't tell me anything. It just shows me all the equipment. So I, I have no idea. I could be talking to myself for all I know. But it's it just I pinch myself sometimes. I'm sitting here on a Sunday morning, and behind my camera is my basement. I mean, there's a couch here and a chair and some other stuff over there in the corner. It's just I'm like sitting here going, "Okay, is this real?" Every once in a while, I just kind of stop and go, "Wait a minute, this does not doesn't feel real. I can't believe I'm doing this." And there's a part of me that goes, "Man, it just doesn't feel normal." But let me ask you this. What is normal? When you say, I want to be normal, I want to live a normal life, what is normal? What is normal? What does it mean to be normal? Think about that for a second. We're searching for normal, but what is normal? 
normal isn't scientific. You can't, you can't quantify normal because normal can't be scientific. Really, in a lot of ways, normal is abstract because normal isn't the same for all of us. What's normal for me is not normal for you. What's normal for you is not normal for me. Normal has a lot of different factors that make normal. So to say we're searching for normal as if it's some kind of scientific formula that we can finally go, ah, that's normal. What is normal? Normal is not scientific. It's abstract. It's individualized. Normal, in a lot of ways, is nurture over nature. We weren't born normal, but we were conditioned that what we were born into is normal. That's why you can see people who live in just absolutely uh, horrible situations, but it feels normal to them. For a lot of people, negative is normal. If you look at them and you look outside and you go, man, that's just a, that's terrible. That, that's such an abnormal situation. That's because that's not your normal. But to that person, that's their normal. I've had the, the, I've had the opportunity to travel the world um, and, and minister in, in other countries. And when I was a child, I went with my father. He ministered. And we got to go to third world countries, especially back 25, 30 years ago. It's changing rapidly as the world is advancing. But, you know, 25 years ago, 30 years ago, as a 10-year-old, 12-year-old, 8-year-old, going to Africa or going to other areas of the world that were extremely poor, uh, it was absolutely just staggering to see what that world looked like in person. Not on a video, not on a picture, but to see the, the conditions they lived in. But if you walked up to that person that was walking, carrying, you know, it was always awesome in Africa to see the ladies balance these massive things on their head. And they'd walk around like it was no big deal, these giant things. And it, to them, walking three, four, five miles, whatever it was, every day to get water, clean water, was normal to them. It didn't seem normal to me. I mean, going to the to the to the to the tap and opening up the faucet and getting water—that's normal to me. But to them, that's that wasn't that was that that wasn't in their normal. Their normal was taking that jug, putting it on top of their head, walking the three four miles to the well, getting the clean water, putting it back on their head, and walking back to their village for the day. That was normal to them. So if I say to them, "I want I'm, I want normal," they're like, "Well, this is normal. This is what we've known." This is normal. So if you're saying, I'm searching for normal, what are you searching for? You see, the problem is right now, we live in a world where normal doesn't sell. You don't, you don't make, you know, news is not based off content. News is based off views. Okay, I'm, this is not a news bashing thing. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a news, I'm not bashing the news. So before you tune me out, I'm just trying to make a point. I'm not making a political, I'm not about to start getting on all that. That's not my place to be. Uh, I'm staying out of that lane. I'm making a statement. It, the old saying, if it bleeds, it leads, right? You don't sell normal when it comes to news because news is about making money. Let's be honest. In the end, all these companies, they really want information, but they really want to sell advertising to make money because that's what it is. It's a business and normal doesn't sell. So news makes money showing you things that are not normal. And so because of that, we get an idea and an understanding of the world that sometimes may not be right, may not be true.
It may not be absolutely the case. Every once in a while, I've had opportunity to be a part or to see or to actually be in the situation where news is being made. And I've watched how that news has been reported. I'll never forget years ago, uh, in, in the late 80s, I was a child. I was young. I was eight, nine years old. And our church got sued. Um, and I remember the article that was written in the newspaper. And some of the things they said was just absolutely the craziest stuff ever. But it was written because normal doesn't sell. So we look at this. And we're living in the world that culturally doesn't accept normal. To be normal, and again, I keep putting that word normal, not, 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 not because it's a scientific thing, but I'm just using the term we're used to using. Normal isn't accepted anymore. It's normal isn't culturally accepted anymore. In fact, now, to be cool, you've got to be abnormal. To be accepted, you've got to be extreme. To be, to, to be normal is wrong. It's somehow to be normal. You are making a moral declaration on everybody else because you're normal because normal isn't culturally accepted anymore. Now the wilder, the crazier somebody is, the more that it's attractive, the more it sells, the more tickets they can sell, the more songs they can download off their album because normal doesn't sell. That's what we're conditioned for. But there's this search for all of us, especially now over the last four months. We're searching for normal. And, and even in this whole idea that really everybody's normal until you get to know them. You look at somebody, you're like, well, they look normal until you get to know them and realize ain't nobody normal. Come on, ladies, you know that's the case. You know that that guy of yours seemed normal until you married him. You're like, okay, if I'd have read the fine... Can I, I did not see this in the contract. Excuse me. I didn't read that far down. He seemed normal. Gentlemen, when you when you looked at that when you looked into the eyes of that beautiful lady you married, she seemed normal. But what's normal? Because you know what? When you get to know people, ain't nobody normal. Because normal is not scientific. Normal is abstract. Normal is subjective normal is not something that's based off facts more normal is based off of condition it's based off nurture over nature there is a definition for normal in this dictionary if you read it normal is simply defined as conforming to a standard the usual the typical the expected the usual typical state or condition. Normal is what I'm accustomed to. I want to get back to what I'm used to. I want to get back to my world, my way of doing things. So when I say I'm searching for a moral, more normal, what I'm really saying is I'm searching for my normal. Not normal. Because my normal and your normal are not the same. But here's the problem with normal. We are looking and searching for something God never promised. God has promised us so many things. He has given us a list of things in the Word of God He's promised. The Bible is full of promises. Promise, 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 promise. But nowhere, go read it, go look for it, go search it. I guarantee you, 
I will bet my house on it. It's not in there because I've looked. There is nowhere in the Bible God ever promised normal. In fact, a lot of ways, he has really promised everything but normal. So we are spending our lives believing and expecting and wanting something that God has no intention of ever giving us. God, when are you ever going to let this world go back to just normal? God's like, that's never my time, my intention. I'm not, my, my intention is not to, oh, well, let's reverse the coronavirus or let's get rid of this and get rid of that. I'm sorry. I'm going to say this strongly, and I'm not trying to make a political statement. I'm trying to make a biblical statement. So take the politics out of it. You can't legislate hate out of people's hearts. You can't legislate racism out of your, in people's hearts. You can't protest hate out of someone's heart. It's a condition of the fall of man that's in man. It's a condition of man. We are searching and looking for something that God never promised. God never promised a utopia. God never promised normal for you. I just want things to be normal. I just want to go back to normal. I'm searching for normal. I just want to feel normal. We said that. I've heard people. I just want to feel normal again. I want, I want to get back to normal. What's normal? Normal is what was before March, for a lot of us, the pre-COVID days, you know, back in the day when you could go to the store without a mask, back in the day when you could walk out of your house without the fear of someone sneezing or coughing on you, that was the normal. But really, was that normal or was that just what we were used to at the time? Because just to be honest, there's a lot of things that are normal now that weren't normal before. When I when I look at the progress uh, that I, my grandmother, who's now uh, how old's my grandma? 90, 91? I don't know. Mima, I love you. I don't, I don't remember. It all runs together. 90, something like that. 90, 91. I love you, Mima. I think she's 90. When I look at the progress, we, my grandmother was, we, she was, uh, we, we were visiting her not too long ago. This was pre all the COVID stuff. So it was when it was still safe to talk to somebody. Uh, we were visiting her and, um, she was actually about to go into surgery for hip replacement and she just got to talking about her life and sharing things. And then we had a little birthday get together for us, for her. And she got to talking about her life. And I think about the progress that she's seen. She grew up, um, in a house with a dirt floor. Um, their mode of transportation was a horse and buggy. Their way of washing clothes was to go down to the Creek, uh, and wash it. Uh, their, bathroom of choice was a hole in the ground in the backyard in an outhouse. That's what she was. That was her normal. That was normal to her. She told the story. I'd never heard it before. She had told the story uh, during this little time we had to sit down. She told the story the first time she ever got a chance to go to a restaurant was when she married my grandfather. By that time, I think she was in her 20s. That was the first time she went into the restaurant. And she first time she sat down and she looked at a menu and she's like, how in the world, have, how can I choose from all this food? And she made the statement. She said, the first thing I realized, she just, how, how can we afford all this? This is too much. Because that what was normal to her was dirt floor. What was normal to her was, was horse and buggy. That was normal to her. And 
see what's progressing now, you know, to watch the change of in her lifetime, the 90 years she's been on this earth to go from where she was, where, you know, there was no electricity, there was no phone, there was nothing. She lived in a very rural, rural and poor setting to now here she is uh, in her 90s. And I mean, lo and behold, she got a, she's got a cell phone. My grandmother's got a cell phone. Hello. A woman who started off with no electricity and no phone on a dirt floor. Meemaw's got a cell phone. Come on, Meemaw. Isn't that crazy? Think about that. She went from no phone to having a phone that she carries in her pocket. What kind of craziness? But you know what? If I'd have told Meemaw of eight years old, Lula Mae Singletary, that wouldn't have been Meemaw back then. She wasn't my Meemaw back then. She was just Lula. Lula. Lula back in, at eight years old. Lula, when you're 90, you're going to carry a phone in your pocket. She'd have gone, that doesn't seem normal. But now, here she is, nine years old. She got a little cell phone in her purse because it's normal. You see how normal changes? Normal is not something, what's normal today, maybe not normal tomorrow. It used to be normal to go to Blockbuster and get a, I mean, come on, those of you that remember this, don't act like you're, and those of you that are, think you're holy and never went to Blockbuster, you're lying. We know you snuck in there when nobody was watching. Used to go to Blockbuster and walk down the aisles of all the things because it was normal to go and get a video because that's all. That's the only way you could watch something was through that. That was normal. I told, we were the conversation not too long with our kids. We talked about Blockbuster. They said, what is that? That was a place you used to go and get videotapes. What were they? That didn't seem normal to them. Doesn't seem normal. But that was normal to us. You see, my point I'm trying to make is normal is abstract. Normal is not something. Normal changes. So we're searching for something that's always changing. So we're searching for normal. I just want to be normal. I just want things to go back to normal. We're searching for something God never intends for us to find. It's the lost city of gold. It's the El Dorado. It's the, it's the fountain of youth. It's, it's a myth. It's a legend. There is no such thing as normal in God. Think about it. Faith's not normal. To believe in something you cannot see. Paul said it. We don't look at the things which you can see because they're temporary. We look at the things which you're not seeing because they're eternal. That doesn't seem normal. Come on, let's be honest. Let's just call it what it is, okay? Let's just, this is not normal. I give you praise today, God. I thank you today. I worship you. I magnify you. That doesn't seem normal. I'm closing my eyes, lifting my hands, talking to somebody that I cannot see. I've never shaken his hand. I've never hugged him. I couldn't, I couldn't draw you a picture. I'm talking to somebody that's not near me. That's, that's not, that, that doesn't seem normal. And you want to get real? Let's get out there. Let's get real abnormal. You ready? Some of you just went, what, what was that? That doesn't look normal. You're right, it's not normal. I've got the spirit of an invisible God in me that when I let him flow, there's a language that comes out of me that's not my own. That's not normal. But you know what? Here's the problem. There's always a fight between the normal and God's purpose. There's always a fight between the normal and God's power. 
God's demonstration. If you want to live in the normal, you'll never be able to see God work in your life. If you want to live in the normal of your existence and want things to feel normal and be normal and act normal, you're never going to experience God like you can. If you want normal religion, if you want normal Sundays, if you want a a normal Sunday where I can just do my little thing, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get normal, but you're not really going to get anything because normal is a fantasy. It's a facade. Normal is, is, it's, 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 it's an empty shell. Because God's not trying to give you normal. Hey, Peter. Hey, get out the boat. If it's you, Lord, bid me to come. Come, Peter. Wait a minute. It's not normal to walk on water. You're right. God's not asking you to do the normal. Hey, would you heal me today, God? My eyes are blind. Sure, I'll heal you. One second. Uh, uh, Let me make a little mud pie. Oh, here you go. Here's some mud on your eyes. Wait a minute. This is not normal. You're right. But watching a blind man see is not normal either. You can't have normal and experience the extraordinary. Ordinary never leads to the extraordinary. Normal never leads to the abnormal. If you want normal, you're never going to see God do anything. You're never going to see God. I, we're, I was talking to my wife the other day, and it hit me for the first time. I, I said to her, you know what? How crazy would that must have been? Think about that for a second. I'm getting fired up today. i got to slow down. Caffeine's starting to kick in, I think. <laughs> I didn't even have coffee today. I'm just fired up. Caffeine of Jesus. But think about this. Jesus walks up to this dude sitting by this pool. There's this, he walks in. There's a huge, there's this hangout spot where all the crippled and the lame came. Because there was this pool in the middle that every once in a while the water would ripple. And the, the, the story went that when the water rippled, the first guy to jump in, the first person in the pool was healed. So you can imagine you've got probably hundreds of people sitting around every day staring at the pool, waiting for it to ripple. And the moment it ripples, I mean, people are just diving in, jumping in, throwing their loved ones in. I mean, like, you know, you're holding your loved one. Okay, ripple. See ya. Hoping that they would be the first one. I don't know if it was instant replay to determine, you know, let's go to the videotape. It looks like your finger touched before, so you're the, I don't know how it worked. Well, the Bible says the first one in the pool was healed. Well, Jesus walked into this crowd, and sure enough, he walks over to this guy who had been coming to this pool for a long time. In fact, he had come so long that he had actually removed himself. And the Bible says he was actually not even, he was under the portal, he was under the, the, the shade. He wasn't even out by the pool. He had kind of given up a little bit. He was still near the pool, but he had kind of, he had found a normal Normal to him was watching everybody else get healed. Normal to him was, oh, that was that was George. Boy, good good way to get him, George. You got in there before I saw you beat Sally. She was slow today. Good job, George is healed. That was his normal. That was normal to him. That's what he was expecting. That was normal. And Jesus walks over to him and says, hey, do you want to be healed? That doesn't seem like a normal question to ask somebody who's been lame For so long, of course he wants to be healed. But Jesus, not being normal, asked the abnormal question. Do you want to be healed? And he said to him, what's Lord, I would, but there's nobody to put me in the water when it's troubled. And Jesus 
looked at him and said, rise up. Get up. Take up your bed. Get up. Rise up. Now think about that. That sounds good, right? It makes a great scene in the Jesus movie. You know, the lighting is just right, reflecting behind Jesus. He's glowing. He looks down at the man and says, my son, rise up and walk. And the guy like steps up and the crowd's like, oh, it's amazing. But think about what that must have sounded like. He's asking someone that's never stood to stand. He's asking someone that's never walked to walk. Get up. What do you mean get up? If I could have got up, I already would have gotten up. But faith doesn't ask you to do something normal. Faith asks you to leave normal behind. If you are trying to live in your normal, you'll never get healed. If you're trying to live in normal, you'll never be delivered. If you're trying to live in normal, you'll never see God work. Stop searching for normal and start searching for Jesus. Because normal doesn't work. We don't, we struggle. We struggle with anything that takes us away from normal. We struggle with anything that takes us what we perceive to be normal. We don't like it when things are normal. It's not normal to wear a mask to a store. It's not normal to have to social distance. It's not normal to be watching on a phone today or a tablet or, or, or your 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 screen mirroring it up on your uh, on your smart TV, whatever you're doing, this doesn't seem normal. And it's like, I don't like anything that doesn't feel normal. I want normal. But you're searching for something that God has no intention. And a lot of times, it's your normal that gets between you and seeing God do something abnormal in your life. We're so conditioned... That even in our darkest moments, in our fearful moments, in our moments of great doubt and great fear, we're so conditioned to want to feel and be normal that we reach for the familiar, even if the familiar is what's killing us. We reach for the negative because the negative is what we know. In moments of Struggle and moments of fear, moments of panic. We reach for the negative sometimes because negative is what we do. It's familiar to us. But in reality, normal is usually just a story that you told yourself. If you don't believe me, I'll give you. A, uh, I'll, I'll I'll give you an example, since some of you don't believe me. Four hundred years. The Israelites lived in slavery. 400 years of generation after generation suffering at the hands of a pharaoh and, and a master that was literally beating their backs on a daily basis. It wasn't a utopia. It wasn't a place of freedom. It wasn't a place of joy. It was a place of sorrow and pain and anguish and hurt. It was a day of getting up every day knowing that your day was going to be the same thing, that you were going to be subject to pain and hurt and anguish and frustration and, and constant sorrow. You didn't know if that day you got up would be the last day you lived. You didn't know if that was the day that you were going to be the one taken away and executed because they were going to teach a lesson. You better work. 
You got up every day with a sore back, with scars on your body. You got up every day. You didn't have a chance to take off from work that day because you were tired. You got up that day. You're aching and sore. Your joints hurt. You were feeble. You were old. You were tired. But every day you got up because you were slaves. You had no choice. This is what you do. And all of a sudden the story goes, Moses shows up, leads these people out of bondage. Pharaoh finally, after all these years, says, okay, fine, take these people. And they're led to the brink. They're brought to a place. I get it. It was not a great spot to be in. You had mountains on both sides. You had the Red Sea in front of you and Pharaoh's army behind you. You were trapped. But in that moment of crisis, they wanted normal so bad that they were willing to go back to the familiar even though it was the familiar that was killing them. They wanted to feel normal so much that they were willing to go back to the negative, because the negative was what they knew. Basically, in the end, they said, look, we'd rather be dead in Egypt than alive in uncertainty. Oh, is that not the, the, the true essence of human condition? We'd rather be dead in Egypt than alive in uncertainty. Thanks, Moses. Thanks, thanks, Jehovah, for bringing us out here into this. But no thanks, because we would rather live in the normalcy of negativity than live in the uncertainty of freedom. That's the deception of normal. Normal says to take you back to the thing that's kept you bound. Normal says is you need that drink. Normal says you need that pill. Normal says you need that fix. Normal says this is the way it's been and therefore this is the way it's always been. And even when God tries to pull you out of that, it's the pull of the normal. It's the search for the normal. It's the desire for the normal that brings you back. Can I tell you this? Life is not measured by how I respond to my mountains. Life is measured of how I walk through my valleys. Normal is not defined by my mountaintop experiences. My life is measured by how I walk through my valleys. I ask you today, how many of you would want to see God bring change in your life, whatever that change is? I would ask you today to raise your hand if we were together. I would say, how many of you want to see God do change in your life, bring some kind of change in your life? And I would imagine my faith says that in a situation where we were together, a lot of people would raise their hand and say, you know what, I want God to bring change in my life. Can I tell you this? God cannot bring change when you hold on to normal. God cannot bring change in your life as long as you hold on to normal. There's no doubt that if you read scripture, you find that Paul absolutely lived an amazing life. Paul's reach, Paul's ministry, his impact on the early church was second only to Jesus Christ. Paul single-handedly taking the gospel to the Gentiles in Ephesus, 
Corinth and Galatia and Philippi, Thessalonica, all these major hubs, even to Rome itself, to where he wrote to those in Caesar's house, we send you greetings. That Paul's ministry and his what God used in his life was so impactful that it even reached to the highest place in the world. What a tremendous impact Paul had. But if you go back and you read Paul, there was nothing normal about Paul's life. Paul wrote such a crazy statement, for our light afflictions, but for a moment. For our light afflictions, but for a moment. That's not a normal statement. And if you read in 2 Corinthians 11, here's some of the examples of light affliction. 1 Corinthians uh, 11, well, verse 23. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am, I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths more often. And then he says, well, let me just tell you how it, how, how it happened. Verse 24. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day in the deep. In journeys often in perils and waters and in, in perils of waters and perils of robbers and perils of my own countrymen and perils of the Gentiles and perils in the city and perils in the wilderness and perils in the sea and perils among false brethren in weariness and in toil, sleeplessness often in hunger and thirst and fastings often in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. And he keeps going. The next chapter, verse two, uh, chapter twelve, he says this. I had a dream. He said, "I is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who, fourteen years ago, whether in body I do not know, whether out of the body I do not know. God knows, but such was caught up into the third heaven." He wasn't talking about some kind of mythical creature. He was talking about himself. If you trace back fourteen years before that, you find Paul was taken and stoned to the point they thought he was dead and they, he was so knocked out and so unconscious they drug him out of the city because they thought he was dead. And he said, I know a man, I don't know if it was in the body or out of the body, but this guy went to the third heaven. Guess what? That's Paul. He died. He was dead. He went to heaven. That's not a light affliction. That's a pretty heavy affliction. And then next thing you know, he goes through this thing about dying and going to third heaven. And then he goes into verse 7, the next thing. And he said, oh, by the way, I had all this stuff. If that's not hard enough. Like all the stuff he went through, all that list. I mean, that's enough. But he says, yeah, at least I should be exalted above measure of the abundance of revelation. A thorn in my flesh was given to me. A message of Satan to buffet me. That word buffet literally means to beat on me every day. Beat on him every day. Lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times. It might be taken from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. That's not normal. You would think everything he went through would be enough. But God said, yeah, on top of that, let me give you this thorn in the flesh. And by the way, I'm going to leave it. It's not normal. What was normal to Paul? Sitting on his villa in Corinth, looking over the sea at the port below, sipping about the goodness of God? Do you think Paul got up every day going, my God, I'm going to fulfill my destiny. My destiny is in God. Everything's going to be all right. That wasn't Paul's attitude because that wasn't normal to Paul. 
Pulpits today are selling stuff that God never promised. I can't tell you today, God's going to make your life perfect. God's going to make your life, your family's going to be wonderful. Your, your, everything's going to be wonderful and everything's, God can't sell you something God never promised. Is he a healer? Yes. Is he a deliverer? Yes. But you're searching for normal. God is never intending on bringing you to normal. He's, he's intended to bring you to his purpose. He's intended to bring you into community and relationship and covenant with him, not to normal. wasn't searching for normal. Look at the list of stuff he endured. It was staggering. I wonder if there was ever a day he would, he looked back and go, boy, I wish for those normal days back in Jerusalem. I don't know. Maybe. But there was nothing normal. There was nothing. Paul didn't have a retirement plan. Paul wasn't working nine to five so he could get, you know, to be 60 and retire and live out his days playing golf. That wasn't Paul. There was nothing normal about Paul. But neither was there anything normal about what he did and how God used his life. Nothing normal about that. There was nothing normal about his relationship with Paul, with God. He saw things and experienced things with God that most of us can only dream of because he was willing to stop searching for the normal and start searching for Jesus. You see, if we always had what we needed, then why would we never need faith? Think about this for a second. I'm done. I'm, I'm finishing. We look at all the things God's given us. Faith, trust, Grace, peace, joy, righteousness, healing, delivering, provider, waymaker, all these things, right? Why do we need all those things if God's going to bring us a normalcy? Why does he need to be Jehovah Jireh if we're always going to have all that we need? Why is he going to be Jehovah Shalom, God our peace, if we're never going to have worry? Why do we need faith if we're never going to have something to bring us down? Why do we need grace if we're always going to be able to do stuff without his help? We're searching for normal, and normal is not what God's looking to give us. He's not looking to give you all of your needs supplied so then you don't need faith. He's not looking to give you no trouble in your life that will bring you worry so that you don't have to have peace and walk in peace. He's not looking for you never to experience hurt in your pain that in your life that you'll never need another healer. He's never he's not trying to lead you around every place of bondage so that you never need to deliver. Does it take faith to believe God? When you have all you need. Does it take trust. To walk with him. When tomorrow is mapped out. And given to you beforehand. Does it take trust. Does it take grace to carry you. When you were capable of doing everything. Does it really take peace to sustain you. When you've never had fear. Worry or questions. Do you need joy to be your strength. When you're always happy. Do you need righteousness. When you've never sinned. 
Do you need a healer if you've never been broken? Do you need a deliver if you've never been bound? Do you need a provider if your bank account's always full? Do you need a way maker when you always know the way? Do you need a miracle worker when you never need a miracle? Do you need a promise keeper when you've never had any promises given? Do you need a light if you've never walked in darkness? And do you need hope if life is always normal? What's normal? I don't know. Normal to me and normal to you, probably not the same thing. And right now during this uh, state of our world where everything is so different than what we were accustomed to, there is a draw, a desire to go back to the familiar to the normal. But can I tell you something? I don't want to go back to where I was before. I want to go to where God is taking me. I don't want to let the draw of the normalcy of Egypt take me away from the faith of the promise and where God's taking me. Because you know what happens when you're caught between normal and the purpose of God, you live in the wilderness. Wilderness becomes the, 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 the trap. Sort of the purgatory, if you want to call it that, of being caught between normal and the purpose of God. You'll just circle around and around in your existence, caught between normal and God's purpose. I don't really. That's a terrible place to live. If I'm not careful. That's a terrible place to live. When I'm caught between normal. And God's purpose. I can't answer this for you today. I I, I have no. God is not um, a peeping Tom. He doesn't share our business with everybody. I don't know what you're searching for today, but I know a lot of you are searching for normal. You're looking for normal. You're looking and searching for normal. But can I tell you today, stop searching for normal. Start searching for Jesus. Stop asking God to take you back normal because normal is not what he's trying to take you back to in fact he's trying to bring things in your life that may not feel normal you ever had surgery on a body part I remember uh, I've had I made I had a major surgery years ago on my hip they reconstructed my hip I remember when it was all said and done my hip didn't feel normal My hip felt different. It didn't feel normal. But I knew that's what was necessary to bring healing to my joint. My torn labrum had some other things in there. If I'd have gone back to normal, normal was a condition that the doctor said within just a few number of years that at my age at the time, I think I was only 33, 
at that time I was heading towards a hip replacement and as being the only option left, even at that age. If I'd have gone back to normal, I'd have gone back to a life that was sending me down the wrong path. But to go through things that weren't normal was what was necessary for me to find healing. Yeah. Normal is familiar. Normal's easy. Normal is comforting. Even sometimes normal that doesn't feel good still feels good because it's normal. It's like a warm blanket. You wrap yourself around. It just feels like that place that's familiar. But stop searching for normal. Stop searching for Jesus. I don't know who I'm talking to today, and I, I don't mean that as a as just a saying. I really feel God reaching for someone in this moment. I can feel it in my heart. I feel God reaching and pulling for someone today because he's trying to get you to receive something from him. But you've got to let go of normal in order to get a hold of God. Some of you have got to let go of the dream for the American dream, the, the normal, the white picket fence, the normal life, the nine to five, the weekends spent hiking and the weekends spent at the beach. That's the normal for you. Maybe that's not normal in God's world for you. Maybe the normalcy of a beautiful, perfect world where everything makes sense and everything is perfect and you never have any problems and pressure and God answers everything and you just literally just bounce from step to, from place to place. Maybe that's not normal. Maybe you're searching for normal and God's not intending of giving you normal. But can I just ask somebody today, would you lift up your hands to Jesus and say, Lord, I give up normal if that means I can have you. I'm willing to give up the feeling of normal. If I never feel normal again, I don't care if I have you. That's all that matters. I'm willing to give up normal if that's what it takes. Because you know what? You can't have normal and have Jesus. There's nothing normal about a man dying on a cross. There's nothing normal about blood washing away sin. There's nothing normal about an invisible spirit filling our hearts. Nothing normal about that. But the reason why we all know it's true is because most of us have experienced it. So even though it may not be normal, we know that it's normal. I wonder right now if you could just take a moment and you could close your eyes just for a moment. It's a very intimate moment with you and Jesus. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for the person next to you. It's got to be you and him. And I wonder if you could just take a moment and you could ask God to help you see what he's saying to you. Say, God, I know I realize I've been searching for normal, but I realize you're not trying to give me normal. You're trying to give me you. You're trying to search for normal, but he's trying to give you himself. He's trying to show you who he is, not show you normal. But you've got to let go of normal to get Jesus. Father, thank you today for what you have spoken. Thank you for your love for us so much that you're willing to speak things to us because you know exactly where we are. You know exactly what we need.
Lord, you see every single person right now that is watching, every person that's going to watch. You know exactly where we are. You know exactly what we're going through. You know our fears. You know our weaknesses. You know our hearts. You know our difficulties. And God, we today give you our normal. We relinquish the control and the desire for normal so that we can receive from you what you have for us. And God, if that means we give up normal, if that means things never go back to what we think is normal, it doesn't matter if we get you. Because God, more than anything, you're bigger than normal. You're greater than normal. You're more precious than normal. And God, in my own flesh, my own desire, sometimes normal seems so familiar and so easy. But God, I don't want familiar and easy. I want you. And if that means that there may be things that take me out of my comfort zone, if that means I've got to get out of the boat, if that means you got to put a little mud on my eyes, if that means you've got to ask me to come down off the tree that I've climbed up in, whatever it takes, God, give me the grace. Let me receive the grace necessary to do what you're asking me to do because I don't want to live in normal that I miss out on you. I don't want to live in the normalcy of five loaves and two fishes when you have the opportunity to take what was considered normal and turn it into something amazing. Forgive me, Father, for my desire to turn you into my genie to make my world normal. Forgive me, God, that I've turned you into my, into my, and in, 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 in try to manipulate you to take me and make, make my life normal, make me feel normal when I don't even know what normal is. But God, you know my frame. You know what I need. You know, what I, you know everything about me. I pray today that your will would be done in our lives, that you would manifest yourself to every single person watching today, that you would manifest yourself to them in a powerful and mighty and new way. Reveal yourself to us today. Let us see you like we've never seen you before, even if it doesn't feel normal. In Jesus' name thank you today. Can you just take a moment and just give God thanks and tell him thanks today for he is merciful. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts today. In Jesus' name. Searching for normal. Don't search for normal. Would you search for Jesus? Thank you for watching today. God bless you. Those of you that are going to your life group, let's go see, let's go see God do something abnormal. Let's not go do the normal thing. Let's see God do the abnormal. Because we're searching for normal. But let's start searching for Jesus. God bless you.